Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. everyone. I just wanted to quickly jump in here and mention that there is a way for you to support me keeping this podcast and all my other free resources going by donating a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sassy sober mum. Helping people is a huge passion project for me and as my audience grows, I'm understandably spending more time helping people, replying to messages, creating and updating content and building this podcast. All donations are gratefully received and they really go a long way towards covering costs like my Zoom license, my hosting fees, managing my website and not to mention my time. So if any of you are loving the continued content and wish to support me, please feel free to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sassysobermum. Or you can click the link in the bio section of my Insta page and find a button there to buy me a coffee. Thank you. And now let's get stuck into this week's podcast. Hello. And welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today, I've got Graham, who's in Leeds, and he's been sober for five months. Uh, So delighted, as always, to have another male voice on the show. Really means a lot to me and to the listeners out there. So Graham, welcome and thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. I'm pleased to be here, Terry. Thank you. Fabulous. So why don't you tell us a bit about who you are? Um, For sure. Um, Well, as you've introduced, uh, my name is Graham. I am 58 years old. I don't know how that happened so quickly, but it has done. Um, I live um, close to Leeds. Um, I live with my partner, Catherine, um, and also Catherine's daughter, Polly. Um, We also have Sam, who is uh, St. Andrews doing his PhD. And um, my two boys are Jordan, uh, who is 24, I have to get this bit right, and Jamie, who is 22. Um, and I have a very strong um, and very close relationship with both of those. Um, I am a lifelong entrepreneur, um, which has brought a lot of benefits, but has also brought a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, as with anything in good in life, there are usually some sacrifices that come along with it. So uh, that's pretty much me. Ah, oh, brilliant, Graham. So let's go back to um, your life with drinking. Talk to us about how alcohol played a role in your life. Oh, yes. Well, I think obviously I've heard quite a few of your podcasts. And so I probably have a similar start to a lot of people in the sense that, you know, I was a an early starter, probably um, drinking initially around 15 years of age. Um, however, um, you know, I was at that era when it was all uh, underage drinking was the norm. You could quite easily get into the pub. Um, and so probably around 16, 17, you know, I was regularly, certainly on a, a weekend night, you know, down the pub. 
Um, and of course, it was all about fun in those days. Um, I did not come from a drinking family at all. Um, I mean, quite the reverse. My parents really very rarely had a, a drink at all. Um, but I'm, I'm actually adopted. I was actually adopted as a baby. And um, so, although I don't know my um, birth parents, uh, it's always been in the back of my mind, you know, this addictive personality that I seem to have, this addictive nature, um, which raises itself in a number of ways. You know, has that got something to do with genes that, you know, I will never necessarily know about? Mm. Um, but going back to the drinking, I mean, you know, 20s and 30s, very normal, big social groups, um, always involved eating out, drinking. Um, certainly in our 20s, you know, it was a complete norm to go out um, and drink to get drunk. You know, we'd start and we'd have, you know, four cans of lager before we went to the pub on the Friday night, down the pub, you know, drank until it closed, then went to a club, fell out of the club, you know, did it all again the next day. And, um, you know, it was just it was just really the the norm. Um, and then I think, you know, as I got into my 40s and 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 then probably my 50s, you know, drink, I think, took more of a part of being um being related to stress or, or trying to de-stress um and what i've learned actually um over many years is that it actually has the reverse effect mm. of that it makes you more stressed more stressed really more anxious more uh, um you know and certainly it does not work well in those kind of situations but that you know that that for them for me for the most part i have to say you know i've never um i've never had a rock bottom um, I was always very controlled. Um, I never let drink affect my work. Um, I'm a very driven person. And I think that um, I've often said that I've walked a thin line. And I think that it's my drive and my desire to be successful and be a good father that perhaps kept me on the wrong, on the right side of that line. But it, by goodness me, it's a very, very fine line indeed. And I can see how other people don't manage to keep on that side of it, um, which isn't to say that, you know, alcohol has not caused me problems. And it's been interesting. Actually, I've been reflecting, you know, since I knew I was going to come on and do this podcast with you. And um, I think I've shut out a lot of of bad times, really, that happened many, you know, on many, many occasions. I mean, for me, I was a binge drinker. Without you know, and and not an everyday drinker, and somebody who could absolutely say, "I've got an important meeting in the morning. I won't be drinking tonight." Mm. But you know, when I was drinking, boy, you know, I was drinking, and you know, it would there was never such a thing, you know, on a Friday night as one bottle of wine. Mm. You know, one bottle of wine would be very quickly into two, yeah. and if I was having that bottle, if I was drinking with Catherine at home, it would be she'd probably have half of the half the bottle, and I'd have had one and a half bottles. Mm. Fast drinker. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, and I think, you know, I was looking back and I think, you know, there are many, many times, you know, when really alcohol affected relationships and, um, you know, caused, you know, blackout situations, you know, embarrassments and certainly led to, you know, a lot of a lot of anxiety. So I think you, you get to kid yourself after a period of time, you know, that actually because you bounce back and because you can control lots of situations that, that all is really well, but actually, you know, it, it isn't. And the other thing I would say was that I think, you know, alcohol, it, it's so easy to become the centre of everything. 
you know, I grew up in an era when I was in my 30s, I was running a successful business. It was quite normal to go out on long business lunches. You don't do that today in the same way, but you did then. Um, And, you know, it was a cause of, you know, we would have very, very long, tough periods of work. um, And, you know, at the the end of a, a, you know, let's say we'd been on a big project for several weeks, at the end of it would always involve a big lunch, which was really about big booze. Mm. And, you know, and and that was the celebration. That was the reward. Yes. Um, so, you know, in times when life was a bit tough, you reach for a drink and, oh, gosh, let me de-stress. I need a drink. <laughs> this isn't going well. But then all of a sudden, oh, it's fantastic. Everything's gone well. Let's pop the champagne corks. And, um, and so there were many, 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 um afternoons you know um when really it was it, it, I, I was i was just basically spending time you know drinking and um yeah and no no because it was controlled you know there was no real sort of rock bottom in a way i've i've never regarded myself as an alcoholic i mean i have a problem even talking about being sober um you know that feels to me i'm not sure whether it's the right terminology for me although it's absolutely true now um but I think that, um, you know, when you when you take stock um, and certainly when I t- took stock, I think really what I realized was that fundamentally I just liked drinking, Terry. Yeah. Um, and so even though I did have these times in my life when I was able to sort of say, actually, this isn't really working. It's making me feel depressed or um, I'm not at my best. I can't function as, as I would want to do. Um, I just kept going, really, until I didn't yeah um and then I think and and it, and it was always so you know it's so normal I mean it was normal 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 you know I was around other people who did exactly the same um things and yeah. um you know it, it, it's it got I mean for me um I, I think I, I started to to be start to be more honest with myself as I got older and started to admit to myself that actually it wasn't normal, a lot of this behavior. Um, but because it was sporadic, um, I think that, you know, that allowed me to be let off the hook, you know, too too mm. often, really. Um, and then something happened to me in, um, in, in 2018. Um, I had an opportunity to do a challenge where I went to the Arctic and I did a 250 kilometer dog sled over five days. And it was, it was a tough challenge and you, you know, completely out in the wilds and in the lead up to it, you were told, you know, you need to be fit for this. So I decided to stop drinking um, as a part of my, you know, fitness program. And so I think probably for two months before I did the, the Arctic challenge, I, I wasn't drinking and I had a fantastic experience out there. It was uh, it was something I, I, I you know, uh, I would I would do it again in a breath. Um, but at the end of the five days, um, we ended up in a hotel, and I was with a group of people I'd never met before. And everybody, you know, we hadn't we'd, we'd been out in the wild for five days, hadn't even had a shower. Um, and once we got back to the hotel, we you know hit the bar. And something inside me said, I feel fantastic. I've been in this beautiful fresh air in this clean environment. It's incredible in the Arctic. You know, the air is so clean. And I thought, I feel really good. I don't want to, I don't want to drink. And that resulted in me having in 2018, almost a year when I didn't touch alcohol. And it was a year bar a few days, Christmas hit. Um, and I was bored. And I just decided to um, that 
that was it. I'd done my, I'd done my stint. I'd proved it to myself. Um, and I popped a bottle of champagne, uh, which quickly became two bottles of champagne. Um, and then in the last four years, there has been a shift. And, and that because what I started to do was I said to myself, OK, I'm drinking again. That's fine. Um, but I don't want to go back to where I was. So I got in my head that I was only going to drink shandy. So this is just watered down beer, isn't it? You know, and really what started was a bottle of beer was two shandies. It's really just lemonade. Um, and I didn't go back to wine. Um, and for for a probably a couple of years, that's exactly how it was. But alcohol has a habit of creeping up on you. Yes. And that ex- that is exactly what happened to me. Suddenly, the shandy wasn't a half a bottle of beer. It was the whole bottle of beer. And then I'd run out of lemonade. So I'd just have the beer instead. Mm, yeah. Um, and I realized that I was kidding myself, really. And, um, and and then there were a couple of occasions on days which I'd found difficult when I I... I did something that really worried me, and that was we had non-alcoholic little tins of non-alcoholic gin and tonic in the in the fridge, and I made myself one of those. And I went to the bar, which we have at home, a big bar actually, and um, and I put real gin in it. So I was drinking this non-alcoholic gin and tonic that I then topped up with real gin, and I it, it wasn't a habit I got into regularly, but it was the voice in my head was saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing? This is all creeping back up on you." So really, you know, I mean, it's a long drawn out way of saying that, you know, I had an early start with alcohol throughout really the various decades that followed. It hasn't really been healthy. Most of the time, you know, it has been regarded as normal. It didn't impact, you know, my life or, or my commit other commitments. Um, but I think there were certain things that that, that, that drove it. And I had a, a period of being quite lonely when I separated from my boy's mum when um, they were very, very young. And I was very much a co-parent. I mean, the boys lived with me every single weekend. And probably for 10 years, I never went out um, because I felt that my time needed to be with them. They were just little, little ones. Um, But, you know, when I put them to bed, I would, you know, open a bottle of wine. And I would never say I was rolling around drunk when they were there. But... There were certainly, you know, plenty of nights when, you know, really I was just sat there nursing a bottle of wine. And and I was probably quite lonely at that time. Mm-hmm. And I've had difficult periods, you know, in my life when I've now I look back and realize that, you know, I was suffering from you know, certain mild depression and I didn't recognize it as that at the time. And all of these things, as you get older, you compute and you sort of bring together. And for me, it just it just sort of led to um, a point of realizing it was going to be a kind of now or never. This 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 poison was not was not good for my body. Yeah, yeah. God, wow. Yeah, so much to unpack there. Um, yeah, one thing that really stuck out to me, and and mainly because I have got a very similar experience of it, and you probably have heard if you've been listening to the podcast, is that period of being separated from your um, your your children's um, mother. And that it, I, I totally understand that loneliness and that kind of just that reliance on that wine. And I, I only did that for a short time, really, in comparison. I think I probably had a year and a half where I was in that place 
and then I met my husband. I was I felt quite lucky that I met my husband then. But that year and a half was some of the hardest times of my life. Literally, that loneliness and not having that other person there to share. Or, you know all of those milestones or just comp- just having company and, and you're at home so obviously you can't go out you are just literally just stuck at home there is nothing to do in that time in that yeah. moment in your in your head there's nothing to do but look forward to a bottle or two of wine yeah um yeah, and and it, and it creates I don't know about you but for me it create that created a lot of shame a lot more shame um, than just kind of falling out of clubs or, you know, waking up with unidentified beer injuries. Just because I knew that I wasn't in a position on those nights to have probably really been there for my kids. I wouldn't have been able to drive them to hospital. But you kind of just black it out, don't you? Just push it to one side. Yeah. and You totally do. You kid yourself. And, and that, that's ex- that would have been exactly the same with me, you know, weekend nights when I would not have been able to, you know, get in a car yeah and and you know sunday mornings when you know my son was going to sunday league football and you know i'd be taking him there you know with a sore head frankly yeah. and you know when i look back on that i mean i've shut a lot of this stuff out i mean you know having this conversation with you which i have to say i took a lot of thinking about whether i really wanted to do this but it's it's quite cathartic in, mm. in some ways it's quite shocking in others because you know you've got to be really quite honest with yourself yeah um about what you've gone through and 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 only by doing that do you then look back and realize my god that was a, it was a lot more unhealthy than I thought at the time you know I was just another parent with a hangover on a Sunday morning because mm. I was certainly not the only one um yeah. But that didn't. That doesn't matter, you know. It's how you feel about things, isn't it? And it certainly didn't make me feel good, and it doesn't make me feel good, you know. Looking back, and you know, I mean, the boys wouldn't even know that, and won't until they listen to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I think that you've made such an important point there, and I think a lot of people find this very difficult. But you know, looking in the mirror and being a hundred percent honest with yourself, it is so hard. It is so hard, and I I think that's why people stay trapped in drinking because they 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 can't turn around and face that mirror. And no criticism, right? Because it is really difficult, and there are parts of my past, uh, you know, just like you mentioned that. I, they're not my proudest moments at all. Um, and I feel guilt and I feel bad. And I mean, that is being a parent anyway, isn't it? To be honest, <laughs> I always feel guilty about yeah. something. But um, but certainly facing yourself and being really honest, it's so frightening to be that vulnerable, but it is so rewarding. And I do think that the more you do it, it does set you free. And there's just something about letting that truth out, just saying, even just in, you know, I did these things, I don't feel good about them. I wish that I hadn't done them, but I did them. And, you know, this is really who I am. <laughs> well, you know, we're kind of lucky, really, that we we live in a world now where it's it's much more acceptable to speak mm. out, you know, about, you know, the the issues that, that you face. And, um, and thankfully for, you know, like, children of my my, like my children's age group etc you know it's so so much more open and I think you know for for most of my life you know and I've been drinking because I wasn't you know drinking during the day because I wasn't rolling around because I didn't miss work 
yeah. um, because it because what everything I did was perceived as normal. Yeah. Um, you know, people didn't see what was going on, so that creates an even more of a loneliness. You know, yes. you get in through the door, you're on your own. You know, you go to the fridge. You know, you open a beer, and you know the great thing I've learned about alcohol is that the the very first drink that you have, and possibly the second. Um, make you feel fantastic lift all sorts of things from you but it's only downhill all the way after that mm, it really yes. is you know? yes. Um, yes. and if all, if all of us could just do that you know yeah. we, I mean I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if life was just about two beers and then something magically clicked in and you never ever touched anymore you know yeah. but it's not like that no and it well for a lot of people it's not um and I do think as well and I don't know about how you feel about this but um thinking back to all those times where I drank and I think I drank quite mindlessly as well and like you said I just did it because it's just what I've always done it's just what just what we do isn't it um but looking back over all of those years for me I drank for 27 years maybe for you it was you know that bit bit longer but I I have learned to look back now and appreciate that that person was just quite under a lot of pressure, quite stressed out, dealing with a lot of disappointment. You know, I I, I had I had a kind of difficult childhood. Everyone's got their things, right? Every, everybody's got something that they are struggling with, and alcohol which in, in our kind of day or during the 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties especially, was kind of pushed on you. It's like this wonder drug, fixes everything, everyone's doing it. And you can, no wonder it became something, became a crutch. No wonder. Yeah. And so actually there is, a, there is a part of me now that has learned to move past that sort of looking back at myself with shame and embarrassment and cringing and all of that. Now I just sort of like, I really wish I could go back and give myself a hug. And I know that sounds quite deep, yeah. but I just, I feel, I feel a lot more love and compassion for myself back then. Cause I think deep down, I've always been a good person. I was just trapped in this bad cycle. I don't know if you feel the same. But. No, I, I, I totally understand that. And, um, I think, you know, we, I think the reality is, is that, you know, alcohol is still pushed on you. And, you know, I've heard, you know, a number of your guests before saying, um, you know, just look at, look at marketing, look at, um, look at films that you watch or dramas that you watch, you know, look how, how alcohol features, you know, and, 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 not, and so often in such a good and positive way. And it's interesting when I gave up in 2018, I can remember going to parties where I would hold a bottle of beer, non-alcoholic beer, in my hand, and I would cover up the 0% so that I didn't have somebody say, oh, why are you not drinking? If I had a Coke in my hand, somebody said, why are you not drinking? If I had a bottle of beer in my hand and they just looked like a bottle of beer, they didn't know it was non-alcoholic, nobody said a word. Mm. And actually, I don't go out mm. so much now. Um, so it's nothing to do really with the with the alcohol. Just, uh, but at the weekend, Catherine and I went to uh, a party and we got talking to this couple and I'd never met them before. And they were really nice people and they were having a few drinks. And as it happens, it was a, one of the rare bars that you find out they didn't have anything non-alcoholic. So I was actually on a Coke. And at some point later in the evening, the guy said to me, are you driving? <laughs> <laughs> 
And at the time, and I just thought, doesn't it just kind of say it all? I, I was totally yes. honest. You know, I just said, I don't drink alcohol. And he, that was the end of the conversation. He sort of, I could kind of tell he didn't really know what to say to it. So he didn't, yeah. and, and I didn't say anything else. Cause, you yeah. know, but, and actually, historically, and certainly back in 2018, I would have been much more about, oh, let me explain this. Yes. Now I think I don't have to explain this, no. you know. Um, and, you know, I'm really comfortable now in my yes. skin. I'm proud, actually, if I'm perfectly yeah. honest, you know. And I, I watch people. I have to, the biggest thing, actually, I have to watch is, is not to be judgmental, you know. There's nothing worse than that. You know, somebody's given something up, then, yeah. um, you know, judging other people. And I really have to try. But nevertheless, from my own private perspective, I can look around a room at people getting absolutely hammered. And I just think, I'm so glad my car key's in my pocket. I'm so glad that I'm going home at a reasonable time. I'll be up early as I always am tomorrow morning. And, you know, looking forward to the day, you know, and and I'm free of that. <laughs> that is so interesting. It feels a bit like, do you think in those situations, it just feels a bit like you're suddenly awake? You know, it's like your eyes are really open and you're sort of looking around this you know this, this the scenes around you and it's like all those people are asleep again don't mean that in a judgmental way and I <laughs> it's really like it's really good to hear you say that actually because I I have to have a word with myself sometimes you know don't be all self-righteous you know just because you stop drinking um but it's just I, I think when you get to that point where you are and I, I am as well you just you can't understand why anybody would want to kind of dull life mm. do you know what I mean and it's like it's, it's like you've just woken up isn't it you're awake in those situations and everyone yeah. else is sort of sleepwalking yeah it's, it's like somebody I hear somebody say oh god I need a drink and I think yeah. no I don't say anything I think no you don't no you don't <laughs> <laughs> no you don't yeah, yeah. And, and it makes it me think about um I got through this summer for example uh, um, completely um sober um with you know a number of holidays and um I there were two instances I remember from the holidays one was I have a house in the south of France I spend a lot of time there and I was chatting to somebody who I know well um and I told him that I'd stopped drinking he's a French guy and he said what what life life without wine you know big shock a life without wine um and I and, and that led us on to actually having a conversation about the differences between the British culture and the French culture and you know the difference between people who can nurse and enjoy one glass of wine and my partner Catherine does that she'll have a glass of red wine it will last her all night you know through through a whole meal but mm -hmm. you know I wasn't like that no um and the culture is not like that you know here the other thing that happened to me which was a really positive thing was I was in Nice with my son and we were just walking back to the car um, there were lots of tables out in the street obviously people just enjoying the al fresco and having some drinks and it was early evening and I walked past a table at the end and the guy and his wife were drinking a bottle of Dom Perignon and I did love a glass of champagne in the day mm. and I, it was just it was a lovely moment because I just looked and I thought I'm not looking going, oh, God, I wish that was me. Oh, you know, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I can never have another bottle of that again. I just sort of smiled at myself, really. I said nothing. And I thought, you know, enjoy. But, you know, that's not for me anymore. Yeah, that's so nice, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I've had a few of those a few of those moments as well. And I've, I've said this before on the podcast. It's so funny because I think early on, 
when you just are starting out in trying to go alcohol free or yeah what, what what you know whatever the label is you definitely think that if I could just have a drink without any consequences you know I'd love to still keep going <laughs> I'd love to come in and just have you know that ritual big glass of red with my Sunday roast but just not have any of the negative consequences um but that does shift doesn't it into now if somebody said to me Terry you could go out and get absolutely shit-faced with your friends and you would have no consequences, I would say, I don't want to do that. I would as well. That's, that's not for me. That is not for me anymore. And, and, I, and I really, really, really mean that from the bottom of my heart because I, I think about this quite a lot, actually, um, that that feeling that particularly something like wine you know, it goes, you can almost feel it going straight into your blood, can't you? When you take that sort of first few sips, you can feel everything. Go, and that's probably the bit that people think, oh, I need to relax. I need to feel that feeling, which basically is sedation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, sedating, yeah. you're sedating yourself from life. But when you don't know that and you're not in yeah. that sort of alcohol-free realm, you just feel like that's relaxing you. I used to think that I loved that. Um, and I, I, I mean, I probably did love that back then. But now I think I would hate nothing more than to feel that feeling because I I don't like it. I'm, I'm so in control of all my kind of body, bodily functions, everything. I know exactly what's going on in my body any moment, any day. And if I feel a bit under the weather, I really know that's because I'm genuinely a bit ill or tired. Um. But yeah, I just wouldn't want to put myself through that kind of woozy, horrible feeling. Like, well, you know, go go back to the the the, the point about holidays. Um, you know, I mean, there was a time when for me, you know, being on holiday meant you know getting in a restaurant and sitting in the sun and just drinking lots of rosé. Yeah. Um, but actually, that does exactly what you just said. It basically sedates you. It makes you feel woozy. It completely wrecks the rest of your day yes um and, and and my awareness of that is so great now and and i'm so grateful um also that i don't i don't um uh, I, I don't have this situation where i'm completely conflicting with myself because i will go for example and do a six mile walk in the morning Mm. and say do you know what I've earned that boozy lunch because that's what I used to do and of course what I was doing was just undoing all of that good Mm. so now when I do my six mile walk on a morning and you know I have my healthy lunch um, I know that I've actually done some good in the day you know I haven't Mm. just wiped it out and and the other point is I am utter I I can't get over the mentality that we have of when people arrive at an airport thinking that the first thing they've got to do is hit the bar. I mean, you know, at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, it doesn't really matter. There's people, men, women, you know, whether they've got families with them, it doesn't matter. You look around and it's booze flowing absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I, I probably, I don't remember, but I dare say that when I was in my twenties, I probably did that as well. But I, Oh my gosh, you know, yeah. I'm just, just, it, it really hits out at me things like that. And I'm so relieved that, you know, it's not the way I live my life. That's funny, actually, because that makes I'm not me... being self righteous, but no, I'm really no. trying not to. Yeah, no, no, you're not. You're not. I mean, what you're doing there is you're using, I, th- I think, I think you're using experiences that, you know, that's behavior that you, 
just don't do anymore you know you've kind of you've got you've got yourself into a different place where that behavior just isn't necessary for you anymore but and I'm the same like I I went to uh Greece with the kids earlier in the year and I can't help myself but sort of watch people drinking in those situations and again I don't I don't know whether that is maybe that is a bit judgmental in, internally maybe maybe it's the thing that just keeps me like you say keeps me grateful as well because when I look at situations where people are drinking or people are drinking in situations that are outside of the norm so for example in the morning in an airport which is you know not really everyday behavior I definitely always have that pang of god I'm so glad that's not me yeah. so it's yeah. not really kind of like oh look at them they're so rubbish no. it's more no. like oh my god yeah I am so glad that I'm here and all I want to do is you know get some sweets for the plane and uh, and a magazine or something you know those yeah. are the things that are it, I, I don't feel that drive to go and sit in the bar because I would have been that person. And I said on a podcast I recorded the other day that hasn't come out yet, um, but I said I was the sort of person that would drive up to, say, Leicester from here to see my family, which is three hours in the car at least. And I would maybe drive at tea time, get there at sort of nine, ten o'clock at night, get into the hotel room with my husband. And I would have had the little mini bottles of wine, like almost like the plain size bottles. And I would say, well, God, I need a drink now because I've just done that big drive. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, which it's a similar thing, isn't it? I just think, well, but why did I need that? I'm literally going to put my head on the pillow and go to sleep. Yeah. I'm going to drink that wine and go straight to sleep. It's it, it's so yeah, I I just feel I feel a lot of relief when I see those sorts of situations now. Keeps you right, keeps you real. Yeah, it does. It really does. So it sounds like you had quite a long period of what we now kind of phrase as this sort of sober curious um phase so you know you had you didn't drink you did your event and then you had another few years of sort of what sounds like maybe on off drinking or maybe large periods of, of not drinking can you just talk to me about what it what was it that you know what happened on the day that you woke up and you said that's it I'm not doing it anymore well it was in May this year I was in Tenerife with Catherine um and we'd been on a long walk um in the morning and as we were coming back from this, you know, I don't know, five, six mile walk, we were heading back to the near the hotel. There was a little beach bar that we'd been to a few times and we, we were going to have lunch there. Um, and I was feeling great, suntanned and, you know, fit. Um, but what was in my head was I'm looking forward to having a beer. And we'll get in that bar or several yeah. beers. And a captain would say, I oh, don't have another one. And I go, oh, look, I'm just, I'm on holiday. I'm just, you know, excuse, excuse. I'm just, let me have another and, you know, and then I'll go we'll get back to the hotel. So that's exactly what happened. And then we went back to the hotel and did a bit of sunbathing. And then it was, you know, um, wine time. And, you know, so I had whatever it was I had, a, probably just a beer actually, but, um, you know, I had a beer and then we went out and had dinner and had another beer and then we ended up in a, a bar um, near back near the hotel, um, talking to a couple who we'd met earlier in the day, and they were much younger than us in the in the thirties, um, and they were both absolutely hammered. Um, and all of a sudden, the 
the girl ordered some shots and I've never really drunk like that. Um, but anyway, I had, I think two shots, even as I was doing it, I was thinking, what, what, what am I doing here? You know, I, this, this is not me, but I, nevertheless, I had the shots. I'd had obviously during the course of the day on off quite a bit to drink. Um, and again, I'm going to say this, not as it, not in my defense, but because I think it's true, because by a lot of, by any normal standard, I probably hadn't, I was on holiday, you know, I probably wouldn't have been, nobody else would have looked and thought, oh my God, he's really caning it. You know, mm. it was a couple of beers here, another couple of beers there, another couple of beers, yes. more beers, a couple of shots. Yeah. But the bottom line was I woke up the next day in this beautiful hotel room and I felt just like shit. My head felt awful. I felt low, mm. um, had no energy. Um, I had a kind of panicked feeling of, you know, I hadn't blacked out, but I still had this panicked feeling of, is everything okay? Or, mm. You know, did I do something I shouldn't? Have Catherine and I had a row, and none of that had happened. No. But I just didn't like the feeling. And during the, and I just, it was literally just like there and then. I thought, I'm done. Wow. It was really, it was really that simple. I just thought, I'm done. And here, and by the way, this is typical me, by the way, you know, I couldn't wait to the end of the holiday and get back and to be done. You know, I did it while I was still on holiday. <laughs> and the next, and the next night we met this couple again. Um, in fact, we, we, they were, I think they were leaving and we stopped off to say goodbye and they were hammered again. And I hadn't drunk at all during the day. And as soon as we got in the bar, it's like, have it right, have a drink. I said, oh, I'm not drinking. What are you talking about? You're not drinking. Of course you're drinking. You know, I said, I'm not drinking. Honestly, I said, I'm fine. I'm happy. Don't worry about it. You know, but of course they were pissed. And it was the next thing is she's ordered a whole table of shots again. Oh, no. And I I just said, nah, I'm sorry. I said, you're going to be drinking all of those on your own. And I completely, I knew there was no way that I was going to be persuaded into it. It was just an interesting kind of end because this whole, that pressure that kind of came on for, and, and I got the, don't stop now. You know, because I actually said I'm going to have a break from alcohol. I thought I'm not going to explain to you because I don't know you. But I'm just have a break. Have a break when you get home. You're not going to do that while you're on holiday. But it, it, the the moment it happened, it clicked in for me. Yeah. And I and I wasn't going to turn back from it, and I haven't turned back from it since. And I think it was just a, it was a combination. I think of lots of things that are being building up and. And a reflection back on the year when I didn't drink and, and four years when I haven't, the last four years when I haven't been a heavy drinker, but mm. seeing it creeping up on me. Um, and then just thinking about my future life, thinking about, you know, my relationship, um, the way my, my health. Um, and yeah, it was, it really was, it just, it just clicked and, um, and it's the resolve has got stronger, Terry. Oh, it's amazing. I, I love that. That is that is really one of those why not now moments, isn't it? You know, why not mm. now? Why not today? Just do it. Um, and I think when you do make that click, something happens. So, because a, a lot of people have, have been messaging me lately, and they say, "Oh, I tried it before," and you know, they just sometimes just like to say hello, and this is what I'm, you know, thank you for your page, and this is what I'm doing, um, and they and and it is always the ones that, I, that where they say, 
I've done this before and I've tried before, and but something's changed this time. But, or I feel differently. And I think well, that, that's it. I, I think so. And when I look back into my my year that I was, wasn't drinking in 2018, there was a big difference. And that was that um, I had not made a commitment to myself that yeah. that was it. That I was just having time off. Yeah. Um, and um, this time it was very different. And I think that's a... Um, there was, there was a there was a there was something of a realization that it's now or never graham mm. you're in your late 50s come on yeah. be realistic here you know you, you're not going to be having this conversation in another 10 years time um so it was it was that was the difference you know mm. um i had a i felt and by the way the other thing was that i i could remember really clearly when i had my year of not drinking about six months in i was stood in the shower one morning and i just felt fantastic and I looked in the mirror, my skin was better. And um, and I and I remember saying to somebody at the time, do you know what? I don't think I've ever felt as good in my adult life as I do right now. Um, and I remembered that and I thought, I want that again. Yeah. Um, but this time I want it for keeps. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm absolutely exhausted at the moment. So I look in the mirror, I think, my goodness, I, I don't look any better than what <laughs> I was drinking. But, but that's the, the point is on my insides. I know that yeah. it's got to be doing some good, you know. Yeah, that's that's a sober glow, isn't it? That's what everyone talks about. It is a thing, I think. It is. I definitely think it's a thing. Um, So when you got back off that holiday, um, and I know we talked a little bit about this before we press record, um, but what sorts of things did you do to support yourself in sobriety? I think that for me... um, the most important thing that I did was that I immediately told people that were close to me. Right. So I, t- I told Catherine on the, I think the same day that I stopped when we were in Tenerife. Yeah. Um, and I kind of half expected her to say, ah, I've heard it before, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But actually that wasn't the case. She was yeah, hugely supportive. Um, but I told her, um, I very quickly told my boys um and and other people really who knew me and I found that to be extremely powerful that was part of me saying right I'm putting myself out here I'm gonna look I'm gonna look foolish and I'm gonna be I think a bit ashamed of myself if I don't stick by this so I was I was deliberately doing it to put pressure on myself and I would say that that's the single biggest thing that made the difference to me I knew I had a steely determination I am and I'm that type of person when I decide on something and I'm going to go for it I do but that was hugely hugely helpful to me um and then apart from that I would say and I mentioned to you earlier you know I have not um I've not dipped in hugely into the kind of sober world. Um, I, I don't use social media a great deal. I'm, new, I'm a newbie to Instagram, quite enjoying it, but I'm, I'm a bit of a newbie there. And um, um, But I found you. And um, well, I, I, I'm actually, I, I'm sorry, I'm missing out an important point. Um, b- b- before I found you, I also found the um, the unexpected joy of being sober. Oh, yes. Which, by the way, I've read twice. It's a great and book, isn't it's it? It's a great, great book. And... Um, you know that was written by somebody who had you know far far greater problems than I than I had or have. Um, but my goodness, there was so much I could recognise in that book, and um, and I found it hugely inspiring. So I think you know that um, Quitlet that you call it that that was my book. Um, it's the only one that I've read. Apart from that, you know, I found your 
podcast really interesting and you know people are there with all of these different experiences um and some people obviously find this whole process of giving up drinking and um and also their their experiences in life have been much harder than others that that's that's the way it, the way it goes and mm. but i found it hugely inspiring listening to to other people as well um, and and sometimes when i'm going for a walk i'll put one of your podcasts on and it would just um it just kind of reminds me you know mm. yeah you know I'm, there's, there's, I'm not on my own here there's a lot of people doing this yeah. um and I think that linked to that by the way I think there's a and one of the reasons I did this was because um I think there's a lot of people like me who are of an age like me who are you know successful in their careers um who actually when they really admit it deep down would love to give up and by the way I've had people tell me that as well you know gosh I wish I could do it or how you know uh, you know it's it's so I, I think you know I, 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 I've been inspired and I and I hope I will also be able to inspire. Oh absolutely yeah 100% so a lot of that has been pretty positive really um and like you say, your steely determination, which is obviously a big part of your character, that a lot of that has really gotten you, got you to where you are today. What would you say has been the most challenging bit for you? Um, I, I, I have to really think about this because I, I, I'm almost loath to say that I've actually found it quite easy. Um, but I think that probably the hardest bit has been accepting this as a forever decision yeah it's that kind of finality it's like saying it's like leaving a you know saying goodbye to a friend yeah <laughs> you know um yes. and you know back to that that kind of finality of you know um I'm never going to sit in a, a restaurant and you know drink champagne I'm not going to drink champagne at you know my son's weddings or whatever you know I, I don't really think like that very often I don't need to but I think that 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 whole forever decision yes. I think and 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 then I think it's really just so, so that's the that's the probably the hardest part really is realizing that you know there is no turning back and I genuinely don't think there is for me I think you know if I look I, I people will all have experiences of trying to give up drinking and then you know they'll they'll fall off the wagon and then they'll get back on again and and that's absolutely fine you know I have I mean you know my story is like that but I kind of know that um that if I did that I think I'm not sure I would get back on again and that's part of the that's giving that steely determination mm -hmm. of just not gonna fall off you know I, I just know in my head and I and I watch for that little voice that basically says, you know, look, you're not an alcoholic. You know, you you can moderate if you want to. You've given up for a year before. You know, you could do it again. Um, you know, I watch for that voice. Um, you know, and I, I uh, and and I think the longer the longer that you get into this, the longer certainly the longer it goes on for me, the mm. easier it gets. You know, the and and partly that's because the 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 more and more do I do I realize and think about all the positive things that like life has to offer you yeah. know with, without alcohol in it yes for me yes yeah um I I love that as well what you say I think I think that's such a big big truth um that everybody feels 
when they decide they're not going to drink. I mean, some people just do one day at a time and some people just set smaller targets and all of those things are, you know, you have to do what's right for you. Um, and there's no right or wrong, but I was the same as you. For me, it was like, I had that moment to click. That's it. I'm not drinking again. It was for me, it was a forever decision. You definitely have to mourn that you're not going to be the old you ever again. I mean, it is like, I've I've heard this before in other podcasts. It's like saying goodbye to a toxic ex (laughs) (laughs) that you're sort of, you know, you just you're drawn to but it's just really bad for you that that situation's just all bad um but i definitely um i definitely had that as well myself where i found that really difficult to accept and reconcile with in especially in i would say my first year of um forever sobriety let's say but I definitely think in the second year, I had a much more permanent shift in my perspective. I stopped reflecting and thinking about that. I just, it just, it wasn't my, it wasn't my sort of norm anymore. For me, when things like Christmas and my, I mean, I got married last year. um, So I was a sober bride, which I feel so rock and roll about I mean I just think that's so cool that I was a sober bride definitely some of my friends were like well even though you've been sober for two and whatever years you're you're gonna drink at your wedding right (laughs) and I was I said no no way of course (laughs) I'm not but that's the thing is I really looked forward to my wedding but I felt so grateful in the lead up because I knew that I was going to be able to get to do it sober I can't wait for Christmas because I I I get to do it sober and so I think whilst in that for me I know in that first year it was like oh my god never have champagne again at Christmas ah that's so scary or you know like you say those big events that you're normally used to relying on the alcohol to sort of have the fun and have the connection with I had a I had a a, a kind of permanent shift in that and I think that does happen um I think it does and I think what what I've learned to do is I I I, I, I replace my thinking. So, you know, for example, if you say Christmas, I mean, it's complete norm to be opening a bottle of champagne on Christmas yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, but of course, what does the, what the result of that is that, you know, halfway through the day after that, you're just slumped on a sofa, yes. you know, a sleepy mess. Yes. And, um, you know, so now what I do is I think, well, actually, you know, the, the positive thing about not having that is, you know, I'll be able to go for a lovely walk in the afternoon. I'll be able to converse, have a conversation, watch yeah. a great movie, you know, yes. so many, you have to look for the positive side of it because the positive, the, the, the positive, um, it's always greater than than yeah. what you're going to get out of the actual, the actual out of the drinking. Yeah, you know? and it, it's the same scenario. You know, your first glass of champagne on Christmas morning, wonderful, but yeah. really, it's downhill all the all way. All downhill from that, there. Yeah. Know. Yeah, I know. And do you know what? It's it's my birthday on Christmas Day as well. Um, which I think makes me quite unlucky. But um, I have, I cannot tell you, I've spent more Christmases in my life or more Christmases and birthdays, absolutely so hungover and then getting so yeah. wrecked again. I mean, I think one year I was so hungover and I was, I, this was in my 30s, right? It's not like I can say I was 18. One year in my 30s, I was so hungover, I couldn't even keep 
the Christmas lunch down and I and I, I, I basically slept the whole day or was kind of lying around in bed the whole day. What an absolute waste. I mean, what a waste. Whereas now, just like you were saying, I love that I can have my normal everyday Terry 100% energy to get through the day because it's a bloody long day and it is a long day, especially yeah. when you've got you know, for me, I've got younger kids. That are, for sure. Yeah. And so I can get up, I can do the presents, I can make everyone breakfast. Uh, I haven't got old enough kids to make my my you know, breakfast for me yet, but we'll get there one day. Um, and, you know, I can do all that, like lunch and, yeah, watch films, eat some chocolates um, and have, you know, entertain in the evening, make some sausage roll. I don't know. what You know, it's just, it's so nice well, to to just do those little things and be just... You know, you, you 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 find other nice things, you know. For me, yeah. it's probably cake, you know. Or, you know, <laughs> stuff I would not... You know what, I'm not going to have that piece of cake because of the calories, because it's unhealthy. But, you know, I'll have half a dozen beers, you know. I mean, madness thinking. Yeah. So now I'd rather have a piece of cake and, yes. you know, and leave the beer. And yes. going back to your wedding, by the way, I mean, how fantastic, you know, you can remember the whole oh, day. Oh, I know, I know. Um, so yeah. great. And I also got over my, I was lucky in that I had had a couple of opportunities where I could do some sober dancing. Um, and so when I went into my wedding, I was so excited for the dancing bit you know in the early evening so that I could just get up and just yeah just dance and do it without any alcohol in me and it was quite funny actually because I think um I when I was up I was on the dance floor I was the last one there basically <laughs> so yeah. in the end I was sort of you know the one that said okay let's call it a night because you know I'm done now but um yeah wonderful wonderful right. game married without any alcohol for me i we we put alcohol on for everybody else you know why didn't again that same thing that judgment thing i don't want people to have a crap time like if they want to drink i want them to be able to drink so we did we did buy the wine and things with the meal and and all that sort of hand and have a little bit of a subsidized bar but yeah for me i was uh, very very happy with my lime and soda and mint tea well done you (laughs) um so what's been the one biggest gain for you There are a few, so I'll, I'll, I don't know if there's one single one. I mean, they're all more or less um, of an ilk. I mean, for me, it's the sense of peace. There's a sense of I don't have to plan my life around drinking. I don't have to think, oh, I've got a meeting in the morning. I won't have a drink tonight. Or, um, you know, is it, is it kind of, shall I restrict myself to two shandies or four or six? You know, I don't I, I, I give all of that stuff as a second thought anymore. So I have a more of a sense of control. Yeah. in my life yeah. um I think you know a knowledge that I'm not willingly damaging my health I mean I'm not pouring this poison into my body and yeah. um you know so that you know I mean nobody's got guaranteed health but I'm not willingly doing something to damage it and that's a massive driver for me going forward at my age particularly you know I want to basically live a long and, and, and healthy life yes yeah, um but you know although it's all upside I think probably Actually, yeah, the biggest gain for me um, is 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 being a good role model for my for my boys. Oh. I want to be, did you know? And I know people, and so do they, who go out and get pissed with their kids, and that's never been me. Um, yeah. But I 
I want them to to see me as a good role model, and um, and they both they both told me they're proud of me for giving oh, drink. They both drink, so by much. the way, and they're on their own journey in life, you know. Um, but you know, I know they're proud of me, and I want to be a good role model for them. It's you know, it's hugely important to me. That. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be at events where they're ro- they seeing me rolling around. No, it's not. It's not a good look, is it? It's not a good look at all. Um, I'm conscious of the time. Uh, it's been such a fabulous chat. What would be your top three tips for people to get sober, or getting sober, or staying sober? Okay, well, I have thought about this. So I think number one is believe in yourself and know that you can do it absolutely fundamentally important um for me the next one is tell somebody close to you but ideally tell as many people as possible and don't be embarrassed about it be proud because people are definitely going to think it's a good thing and anybody who doesn't is not somebody that you want to have in your life yeah um and i think that um the other one is you know stay close to the sober community i mean i i've said look i i sort of a, a fairly light touch but you know podcasts and and just flicking through instagram posts and seeing positive messages from like-minded people i think is hugely hugely important yeah um you know and, and i have a saying which you know i've i've used with my kids many times in life in different ways which is you know birds of a feather flock together yeah. So choose choose your flock carefully is my oh, advice. Love that. I haven't heard that saying for ages. <laughs> yeah. A good one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, Graham, if you're open to it, how can we follow your journey? Well, I'm not so sure it's particularly interesting, um, but um, I am doing a kind of little periodic update on my Instagram account which is really just to kind of help me you know document um you know what what i'm doing on this journey um and you can find me at sober entrepreneur uk and if you can spell that you're going to be able to find me yeah i know i have Uh, to say yeah it's uh entrepreneur is not the easiest word to spell is it uh, (laughs) uh well thank you so much for sharing your brilliant story it will definitely help people and like I said at the beginning of this chat, um, I'm so grateful to have you and another male voice um, on my show. So thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and I've really enjoyed it. And you keep doing all the great things that you're doing, Terry, because you're helping oh, a lot of people. Thank you so much. That's so lovely. And uh, thank you to everybody else. Until next week. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.